have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to the book of Acts. The book of Acts. Have you ever been a part of a work environment where you could sense the energy and excitement to accomplish the tasks at hand? Where there's just a sense of joint excitement in the workplace? Maybe you've never worked in a place like that. I don't know. Um, but uh, there are, nonetheless, I'm sure they exist. <laughs> Maybe you worked in an environment where maybe the job was sometimes forgotten because it felt more like a family where you were working and it just didn't feel as much like a job. It felt more like you were just with family, with friends. Um, you know, I, I had a little bit of that in the different places that I've worked as I, uh, places that I wasn't in ministry at. Um, hopefully my places that I've worked at ministry, I've always felt very family-oriented, uh, very uh, close-knit that way. But when I worked in high school, I worked at the Quest Golf Course, and I had a really positive experience there. Uh, I remember coming in one morning, my first year working there, thought that uh, I was going to be getting in trouble already a month into working there, and uh, the, the golf pro, uh, my boss, told me to come into the clubhouse at 7 o'clock in the morning. I'd been there for about a half hour already, getting things ready for the day, and I thought I was like, oh great, what I do already? And uh, he's like, sit down. I sat down in the clubhouse at a table. I'm like, oh man, I'm in a lot of trouble. I'm going to ruin my dad's testimony because my dad did the golf tournament for Kobiak there. All this stuff. I, my head's spinning as a 15-year-old. And he comes out with an egg sandwich that he had prepared fresh for me, brought down here. Here's some orange juice to have with it. I was like blown away. I was like, you are the coolest boss ever. Uh, and... And it was neat to see the testimony. He actually, one, one other time, he actually did it for me and actually had strawberry pancakes for me. So, I mean, uh, best boss ever. Best work environment. I loved it. Uh, and, and then I, I worked at Men's Warehouse uh, at 16 in Rochester when I interned at First Baptist Church of Troy back in 2009, 2010. And actually, believe it or not, I actually felt very much uh, a very positive work environment. And then I've worked at Lifetime Fitness, which was a mix of all of it all at once. Uh, but we all work in these work environments and, and we have the sense of maybe family environment maybe it's, maybe it's a hostile work environment you say well why do I bring this up because the passage we're looking at tonight this afternoon uh, is really this idea, the idea of, of a church of Christians rallying one another around one another let's go ahead and read our text this evening I'm going to be saying that probably all afternoon, but this evening. Verse 24, Now a Jew named Apollos, an Alexandrian by birth, an eloquent man, came to Ephesus, and he was mighty in the Scriptures. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he was speaking and teaching accurately the things concerning Jesus, being acquainted only with the baptism of John. And he began to speak out boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he had wanted to go across to the Achaia, the brethren encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. And when he had arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, demonstrating by the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. Tonight, this afternoon is really going to be just, I want the message tonight, I'm going to say tonight, that's what happens when you move the time of the service, right? Um, the, this afternoon, really what I want us to walk away with is encouragement. Now, if, if 
you aren't living as this text is exemplifying, then I hope you go away challenged and convicted and then encouraged. Because this passage is a very encouraging passage about the church. And this is really something that should our church should exemplify as well. And, and it's been neat to see even growth in that. I mean, just even through, it just hit me as I was studying for this, even reviewing for it yesterday, the kind of, over the last three, four weeks, just the, the constant uh, commenting, challenging one another, asking for prayer that has been going on. It is exciting to see that. That is really, really exciting to see it. And, and God is pleased with it. And, and really, the, I think the title I sent Donna is probably not the title on my slide because I probably forget what I sent her and forget to check my email. But the title that I have on the slide there is the vitality of the church or that the church is alive. The church is alive. The main principle this morning, this afternoon, I can't remember what time of day it is. And I apologize if it doesn't show up very clearly on the screen. But the vitality of the church flows from the Christian's dedication to discipling others. The life in the church is seen through disciple making. And, and, and a lot of times this word disciple making, discipleship, and you've heard it from us as pastors, from, from others in the church for quite, a, for quite some time now. And, and hopefully it never stops hearing it. But it's not just a scary word. It's not, it's really what we are. We are Jesus' disciples. We are disciples of Christ. And we ought to be replicating ourselves. And here in this passage of Scripture, it's such an encouraging passage to look at. And so by, by way of context, a little bit, just to give us a little bit of what's going on here, this is right around the time of Paul's third missionary journey. And to give you a little bit of uh, background on the city of Ephesus, Ephesus was, was an amazing, it was a very spectacular city. It was, very, it was a well-to-do city. Uh, they had university, they had a high level of education in the city. Uh, it was uh, a commercial center of that region. And at, the, at this time, it was around the fourth largest city in the empire. Um, and so here, this is the city that this church is in. And, and Apollos, uh, who was an Alexandrian by birth, we see here about Apollos, and really the message this afternoon is really going to look at the life of Apollos and those around him. And, and as we look at the life of Apollos, we're going to see a Christian that we can learn from as we see his character revealed through a variety of actions. And for, so first thing that we're going to see is that eagerly, that eagerly understanding Scripture grows and presses the Christian forward to greater ministry boldness. So one thing we can learn from the life of Apollos here and from this passage of Scripture is that when we are eagerly see, understanding Scripture, we're eagerly wanting to know more about God's Word. We're eagerly wanting to dive into His Word more. Um, Chloe loves to read. She, more than I've ever in my entire life wanted to read. Um, it makes me proud that she likes to read, that she loves to read. I mean, there are times where she's carrying her book all over the house, and she's in here, so she's probably going to get all red and embarrassed. But she carries it all over the place with her. Sometimes we have to take it away from her so she's ready for school. I mean, she just, she loves to read. She's eagerly wanting to read. She eagerly asks us about words and what they mean and things like that as she reads. 
do we get like that with God's word? Do we get that like that with God? Do we get that way with wanting to know one another on, on that level? Because that eagerness, that eager, Apollos here was eager. You see, he had a huge desire to understand Scripture because eagerly understanding Scripture grows and presses the Christian forward to greater ministry boldness. Well, let's look at Apollos real quick. Look at verses 24 and 26, through 26. So we see that he was an Alexandrian, so uh, by birth, and he was an eloquent man. He was well taught. Apollos eagerly, in, in these verses, we see that he eagerly and boldly proclaimed God's word. Well, as he was, he eagerly and boldly proclaimed God's word, but he was a person who was intelligent. He was an, a learned man. He, he had a, a academics behind him. He was, he was not an unintelligent person. Apollos knew the Old Testament scriptures well and was able to teach them as we see here with eloquence and power. It says here, he was, what well, this man had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit. That is that idea of eagerness. Paul, Paul, Apollos was eager to teach the word of God. And it, and I think there's a level of formality to the, what he wanted, but he just went and he wanted to teach. He wanted people to hear the word of God. And so he knew the word. None of us get eager about something if we don't really know it. In fact, there have been times where, you know, you, you get up to, you know, if I, I was not eager in high school to do Bible quizzing because sometimes I just didn't under, know the text as much as the other people on my team. I didn't want to go sit there and look like I didn't know anything. You know, there's, there's things that we get eager about when we know them. And, and then sometimes, and especially with God's word, the more we understand it, the more we know it, the more we want it. But Apollos, uh, the King James actually phrases it, that he was mighty in the scriptures. He understood the scriptures. And you know, last year, throughout the year, we each month attempted to memorize God's word as a church. Did you memorize God's word with us, together? Did you seek to understand and were you eager to, okay, what verse are we going to learn this month? How can I apply this verse to my life? Apollos here were seen as he was mighty in the scriptures. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in the spirit, he was speaking and teaching accurately the things concerning Jesus. He loved the scriptures and he wanted others to know about it. He was a passionate man. We seem to be passionate about the same things. Martin, uh, the well-known preacher, D. Martin, Pastor D. Martin Lloyd-Jones said this, he defined preaching as this, logic on fire. And one commentator said that really you could describe Apollos as such. Logic on fire. He was on fire for the Lord. He, was on, he wanted people to hear God's word. The content of Apollos' message was that of John's baptism. We see here, what was, what was he preaching? He was preaching and acquainted only with the baptism of, baptism of John. So he had, did not have a full understanding of all that came after, the full aspect of, of the gospel at this point. He only had understood up to the point of what John the Baptist was preaching. He didn't understand everything that came, that, that even Jesus himself preached more fully. And that Paul had been begun preaching. 
But Apollos was a man who was knowledge, was knowledge, had knowledge in the word. He was skilled in method and he was fervent in how he presented it. And so we see this aspect of Apollos. He was eager. Are you eager to just talk about and share God's word and teach others God's word? We need to be eager to do it. See, eagerly understanding Scripture grows and presses the Christian to better God, boldness in, in, in serving him. And also, eagerly understanding Scripture grows and presses the Christian to learn more biblical truth. You know, Apollos was a very learned man. He was intelligent. You know, there are, there are those who in this world are eloquent speakers. So just imagine with me, and please stick with this illustration, so please, okay. Um, <laughs> this came to me, so it's kind of, I'm a little nervous on how, how this is going to sound coming out of my mouth. But imagine Joel Osteen. Okay? All of us here, if you've heard him speak at all, would say that he actually is a pretty good communicator. He's very good at communicating a message. Now imagine if he was preaching the truth. That'd be pretty amazing. And, and when I think of this, I think of here... Here's a person like Apollos who was an eloquent man. He was a learned man. And Scripture is saying that he was eloquent in, his, in, in how he presented the message. But Apollos understood that and humbled himself and understood that he could still learn more. Apollos was teachable. Part of being a child of God, part of learning and growing spiritually is having a teachable spirit. Sometimes I think we're, we're nervous about being a part of discipleship with another person because uh, that means I, I, I might be told I'm wrong. I don't want to be told I'm wrong. I don't want to, that, that's too hard. That grates against me. But look at what, how does Paul, Apollos respond? He comes in. He comes into town. And he began to speak out boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained him the way of God more accurately. Now, I don't know how learned Priscilla and Aquila were, but I can tell you they probably weren't as eloquent and learned as, in general, as Apollos. But we don't see anywhere here where Apollos grates against the fact that here is a husband and wife who come to him and say, hey, we need to actually help you. You're, you're a little bit incorrect. In fact, even as I was studying this text out, I even thought of Pastor as he was in Africa. That he's teaching other men in ministry the way more accurately. How they can present the word of God more accurately. None of us here this, e this afternoon know it all. And the neat thing about this, the, I, it just is so cool to see, here are two other individuals in the church coming alongside another individual in the church. 
and saying, hey, let us, we want to come alongside you and help you understand God's word more accurately. And they got together, and it doesn't say here in the text how long they met. But I'm sure it was more than a day. And I'm sure it was more than a week. The vitality of the church in Ephesus was real and growing. How awesome it is to see Aquila and Priscilla training and, and coming alongside Apollos, and Apollos not being intimidated and actually thinking of himself more arrogant, thinking of himself arrogantly, but rather saying, okay, he so eagerly wanted to understand Scripture that he was willing to submit himself to these individuals and be taught by them. So we see the eagerness of Apollos in his wanting to be taught, to learn more biblical truth. Why should we want to just get together and talk about God's word? Because it's God's word. We should just want to be eager about learning more of God's truth. And that's what disciple making is. It's getting together and talking and teaching one another about God's word. And then helping one another apply that in our lives. That's how simplistic disciple making is. It's not always easy because people are pain. <laughs> people can be a pain. People can be frustrating. Even the people we love can be frustrating. But that makes it even all the better, right? To watch God change us and mold us and make us more like him. And we see here, it says, explain to him the way of God more accurately. And when he So now, they, they've been doing this. And then third, eagerly understanding Scripture grows and presses the Christian to invest biblical truth in others. And so flowing from Aquila and Priscilla, we see this, that as Apollos gained the understanding he needed, he was given the desire to go into another region and begin sharing this understanding of God's word in the gospel. So as he grew... As he started to understand God's word more and more, as he was, and he had a more full understanding, a more accurate understanding of the truth of the gospel, did Apollos didn't want to stay in Ephesus. Apollos didn't want to stay put. The Spirit of God began to work in him, and he, he had a strong desire to go to another location and share the gospel, and to teach the gospel, and to do. What has just been what he has been going through and what he has been doing in a whole nother location. You know, from a practical standpoint, it could not have been easy to see Apollos announce he was going to leave. And this is real oh, now there's the illustration of Joel Osteen. I knew I, I jumped the gun. But imagine Joel Osteen, who speaks to ten thousand roughly ten thousand people a week. People flock to hear him speak and many more watch online. So imagine for a moment if Joel Osteen was like Apollos in his love for the scriptures and accurately teaching them. And all of a sudden he got up and said, you know what, God is moving me on. I, I, I think there'd be a lot of people frustrated. Imagine, even let's go to a, a realistic type situation. Even again, just, and again, I'm just using people who we would look at as maybe good exposers of the word. I normally don't pick people's names, but I mean, all of us have heard John MacArthur speak, probably in this room. At some point, he is going to leave Grace Community Church. 
And my question would be to them is how many of those Christians are going to leave just simply because he's no longer there? That's not what Apollos is like here. That is not what, just, but just from a human standpoint, can you imagine losing someone like Apollos out of your church? I mean, maybe we can get a sense of that when all of our teachers go to Brazil. And I, and I say that kind of tongue-in-cheek, but at the same time, we do have men who accurately teach the Word of God here. And it, would fe- it will feel different when there's multiple men not here teaching that word. There's, there's just a sense of, wow, we lost that person. And this church has been around for 50 plus years. There have probably been people in this ministry who are actively serving, who are like, wow, it's a bummer to let them go. It's a bummer to see them leave. This is, not even, this is me reading between the lines, by the way. But you can just imagine Apollos saying, hey, I am ready to go. How are we going to respond? One day, the Lord is going to lead us to plant a church. And an established family, I believe, in this church, God is going to lead to be a part of that church plant. What are we going to do when they say they want to be a part of that church plant and leave? Are we going to be like, oh man, bummer, how are we going to make it? Are we going to be thrilled excited and alive and energetic and eager to see what God is going to do. But Apollos here, he wants to go to another place and what do the brethren do? Oh, come on, you need to stay. You need to stay. No, what do they do? It says, and the brethren encouraged him. In fact, they didn't even just come alongside Apollos and encourage him. They went the extra step and they wrote a letter to the place that he was going, saying, hey, you are getting an awesome man of God who just wants to teach and preach God's word. You need to just keep on encouraging him. And they were probably encouraging that church in that letter. And what does, and it's just neat to see, here is this idea of sharpening one another. You cannot get away from the one another language in this passage. It just keeps on circling itself and, and piling on top of itself. And here we see people wanting to invest in others. Aquila and Priscilla investing in Apollos. The brethren investing in Apollos. And then what does Apollos do? He turns around when he gets to Achaia. And what he says, And when he had arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. He didn't just preach or teach. He came alongside and helped them. He helped them understand what it meant to grow spiritually. He helped them to understand the gospel and what it meant more fully that they had been saved by God's grace. We really do see in this text this idea of disciple-making, of building one another up, of coming alongside and sharing our spiritual burdens with one another and helping each other understand God more accurately. Because God has given each of us knowledge of his word. Are you and I this afternoon eager in understanding it? Do we just can't get enough of it? Do we want to understand it more? What are we willing to do and put aside 
in our daily life to understand God's word more fully, more accurately. There's a lot of things that try to attack the Christian and the local church to get us to not think of God's word more accurately. But where do we, what, we need to be centered on God's word and, and taking that, the word of God, and sharing it with one another and preaching it boldly and ministering boldly to one another. Based on our text, it truly seems that it was a life investment, not a term investment. It wasn't just for a period of time. They invested their life. Now God may move them to another location, but the neat thing about our 21st century, unlike then, when we move, our impact doesn't have to stop with that person. It doesn't have to stop. It can continue. When you and I are eager to understand Scripture, we become eager to share the glorious truth with others. Because we see it begins in this passage. We see to begin this passage we've looked at. We see it in Apollos. He was eager. He was mighty. He was fervent in the Scriptures. What are you doing to encourage others to live with a ministry mindset? How are you coming alongside one another and encouraging them to be active in ministry? Active in the church. And, and I'm not talking about on a, specifically on a program level. I'm talking on a people level. The programs are great, but people are the ones that comprise the programs. And programs aren't anything without people. If you're not encouraging others, what excuses are you given? What distractions or maybe even sin is hindering you from being active in ministering to other people? Apollos wanted to eat, drink, and sleep ministry and reaching people with the Word of God. Are you that excited about God's Word and ministry that He has called all of us to do? It's not just me, it's not just Pastor. It's all of us are to do the work of the ministry. Are you teachable? Or when doing something, when God's word convicts or instructs you through the Spirit of God, how, how do you respond? Are you teachable when God's word shows that you are wrong? Are you eager to serve or is it something that you do and it sounds exciting? I'll serve God on my terms. I'll encourage others on my terms. And are you willing to defend the gospel publicly? Look at the end of this passage. What did Apollos also do? For he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, demonstrating by the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. He, it didn't matter whether they were unsaved or saved Apollos was eager to share the truth of the word. The big idea here is seeing the gospel go forward. Specifically in this text this morning, we, this afternoon, 
we see that the vitality of the church flows from the Christian's dedication to discipling others. Here in Acts is a history account of the early church. It shows to us principles through example and description, about, but not through prescription. So what are we to take away from this? Are we to place our hands on other new converts so they can receive the Holy... I don't even know where that phrase came from, but anyways. <laughs> I don't know. That's what happens when you rework a message, by the way. You find sentences in there that you forgot to look over. But the results speak for themselves in this passage. Spiritual growth took place both individually and corporately as Christians were teachable and eagerly wanted to know more to fill in their lack of understanding about God and his word. It's just simple, as simple as that. Really, the Christian life is simple. It's not always easy. But the, this church in Ephesus was growing. They had a desire to impact others. And God wants us as a church to have an eager passion to impact others with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You cannot read this passage of Scripture and not see the passion and the eagerness from Apollos and thereby the church around him as well. I pray that each and every one of us are like Apollos. That we are so looking for opportunities to, to encourage one another with the word of God and the principles in the word. See, God's word teaches one to grow and it teaches one to believe in Christ for salvation from their sin and unrighteousness. It teaches to live that salvation out by habitually, out by habitually with enthusiasm, minister for the glory of God. It is time for us to surrender our lives to being proactive in ministry. We need to stop trying to take it. This is the one thing, if we were to use the sports analogy, not everyone has to sit on the bench. In fact, no one has to sit on the bench. There is a role for every single teammate. And God has that for you. And we all ought to be busy encouraging one another. And yes, even picking and asking God for wisdom on maybe that one person that you can really invest. And we can't all invest hours of our time one-on-one -on -one with every single person in the church. And by God's grace and in his providence, it is exciting to see the studies that are going on. The individuals that have chosen. Like I said, this message is not to beat us up. But this year, I would love to see that explode. I would love to see God continue to work and see more and more one-on-one -on -one relationships being built and expanding to more and more people in our church. We need to shed the sin of selfishness and pride for the, with this excuse we are saying we don't want it or need God. We need to shed the excuses that we don't have the time because with this excuse you're saying you do not have time for God. We need to shed the excuses of not knowing what to say for this is saying that God is not good enough to give us the wisdom and understanding. God has given to us his word ministry and it, this is made easier when we use the inerrant and infallible tool he gave to us. We ask how God does... We ask, how does God want us to live? 
He wants us to live as servants to him, doing ministry our entire life everywhere we go. So this afternoon, will you get excited about doing ministry with me? Will we just get excited about it? And yes, there will be times of sadness. There will be times of frustration. But in the midst of all of it, as we looked at last week, in the midst of the messiness of people, we can have joy. We can have excitement to see God work. Because the excitement comes from God's side and knowing that God is the one that does the work. He's the one that does the changing. An alive church is a church that disciples. The vitality of the church flows from the Christian's dedication to discipling others. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you for who you are. Lord, in this short passage of Scripture, this short narrative that you have given to us, a wonderful example of a man and really of, a, of church, that is investing their lives in one another. We do praise you that you have worked in our lives and there is some of that going on today in our church. But Lord, it's always been a challenge to me. I hope a challenge to all of us that we can do better. That we could have a more of an excitement over who you are and what you are doing. We can have more of a, an eagerness to see you work, to understand your word that we would be pressed to, more bold, uh, to a more bold ministry, to a more bold in proclaiming the word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. May we be the kind of church as you described in your word. In your name we pray, amen.